HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at Surrey Farms. Dot com or virginiatraditions.com Boys are mellow as a honeydew Yeah That cat is high Look that look in his eye Oh man he's high Yes higher than a kite That cat is high Welcome back to the speakeasy I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have a good buddy of mine, bartender, bar manager at the Vanderbilt in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, founder of the Barman's Fund, which we'll get into a little bit later. We have Brian Floyd in the studio. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show. You typically go by Floyd, though, right? That's what everybody's been calling me since I was about 13. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Is it, like, to me, like, coming from... I know, I know you came from a pretty small town in right. Mississippi, right? Yes. What was, what's the town? I was born in McGee, Mississippi, a little farm town. Nice. Yeah, I just say Jackson because nobody knows where you <laughs> I like McGee. Um, I, like, growing up in a small town myself in Lone Wolf, Oklahoma, I always had, uh, it was a, a thing. I don't know if it had to do with sports or whatever, but it was always like you always called everyone by their last name. Yeah. It was, that, a, it was a buddy thing. You, your parents are still going to call you Brian. You're, yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're adult. The people around you are still going to call you Brian. But, but your buddies are going to call you Floyd. Absolutely. Well, that's great. I'm glad that I get to call you Floyd. Absolutely. So uh, coming from McGee, Mississippi, uh, moving, did you, you went to Austin first. Uh, oh, or? I, I drifted around a good bit. I okay. Was in, I was in Nashville. Uh, I was in Los Angeles. Uh, I was in London for a little while. 
Uh, I was in New York for a short while. And that was because of the you were doing some acting, right? Uh, some of it was. Some of it was just restlessness. <laughs> it was actually a good bit of it. Cool, man. So you were hopping around, mm-hmm. and uh, how did you first start? Like, how did you first get into like the like service industry, and then eventually bartending? Always, I think my, one of my first jobs was washing dishes. Uh, I've always done something in a restaurant. Uh, whether I was a busboy, whether I was a, a waiter, you know, at Bennigan's in the mall in Jackson, Mississippi, <laughs> uh, it was always something like that. Uh, easy to do, something you can do anywhere you go. Easy job to get to when you're rolling a town, you don't have a quarter in your pocket. So Yeah, and especially, it seems to be very popular industry for uh, actors and artists, you know? Absolutely. Um, so, you were hopping around. Um, you got to New York. Yeah. You're working in the service industry. You were doing some acting. Yeah. And you got your first bartending job by, you said... Lying. Lying. Yes. <laughs> uh, a good buddy of mine I was had a place. I was working in a place called Tupelo. Tupelo in uh, Queens in Astoria. One of the coolest little hidden punk rock bars in New York City. Uh, mm. And it shut down and they were opening a new place called The Sparrow. And uh, he was excited about it. I'd really love for you to be there on the weekends, man. You've bartended before, right? Just kind of grinned. Yeah, sure. Sure, man. So, All the but, time. But that was, a, uh, that was a rock and roll bar. That was a loud and, and rowdy place when it first opened. And I spit fire a lot and, and hollered a lot. And, uh, it was fun. Yeah. It, you didn't need a whole lot of skill. It was a different skill set at the Sparrow. That's, it's more on the side of... Uh, Dealing with people, you know, like getting, like I always felt like when when I transitioned from like waiting tables to bartending, I feel like I I was I felt more comfortable behind the bar. At the same time, though, you've got like a different crowd. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's the same industry. You might it might be the same like wait job and bartending job in the same establishment, but so much changes. Sure. Well, you have to be able to. Uh, there's a, there's a different amount of power. Yeah, you can act, you can actually refuse people the things they're asking for in the way that a server cannot. Right, because you have to make you have to maintain people who are imbibing a lot of alcohol. Yeah, so you get, have a lot more credit for the choices you make and who you cut off and how you treat people. Right, I mean when you're waiting tables, you're kind of like they're bitch, <laughs> but when, when you're bartending, <laughs> you're in charge again. Yeah. So, uh, any uh, particular stories <laughs> like? <laughs> Like cutting people out or getting well. The thing I really loved about about working at the Sparrow, um, besides the fact that I I could I could set things on fire and spit fire, and <laughs> that ended when I did it one time really big, and um, my my trick was that I would pour some of the one fifty one into a side glass, a rocks glass, mm-hmm. and then I would take the shot and I'd, I'd have the the rocks glass on fire and I'd dunk my hand into the rocks glass and bring it up. And my entire hand would be on fire. <laughs> and I'd spit the 151 over that and blow fire all over. And one time I did it, and the uh, the owner's lawyer happened to be in the crowd, oh, and I didn't know that. And I got a call the next day saying, "Hey, man, I think it's really cool, but we can't have you spitting fire anymore." I, I love that. Like, <laughs> I love that uh, a lot of the bartenders that have been on this show, and a lot of people we know outside of it as well. Like, we've all worked in those those places where you can just get wild. Yeah. But it goes from blowing 151 fireballs to uh, 
making blue blazers. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But the fire's still there. The fire's still burning. The thing I, I do miss about that is sometimes you'd get these guys come in who don't know how to be in a bar and don't know how to order, don't know how to drink. Yeah. And, you know, they'd come up with, with their date and, yeah, man, let me get a let me get a buttery nipple shot. I'm like, no. Without making eye contact, too. No. no she, like, she can have a buttery nipple. You can have a shot of Jack Daniels and a beer. Yeah. <laughs> and you could just tell people that. Oh, yeah, well, okay. That's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, is that what I said? And no, you could just straight up shame people and, and boss people around in, in a way that uh, I probably should not be doing in, in uh, the establishments I'm working in now. <laughs> I remember I used my thing was like, I'm not going to say where this was, but... <laughs> It was actually in the hood where you were. Uh, we just yeah, do that little oh, nod, and you know where. <laughs> I, I know where you were. When I would cut people off, I would just pick up their drink and slam it against the wall. It's <laughs> like get out of here. Um, but yeah, we can't do that anymore. No, can't do that. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, unfortunately, big unfortunate. Um, so, so uh, what? What was the transition from that to the style of? Like kind of like cocktail bar to anything that you do now. Well, when I when I got here, I did not I didn't know anything about the uh, the the cocktail movement that had started happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people uh, give Sasha Petrosky a lot of credit for that, mm-hmm. uh, starting with Milk and Honey and then branching out to Little Ranch, etc. Uh, I met him at Milk and Honey when I first moved here. Just how did I, you find out about Milk and Honey? I don't honestly I don't remember. Somebody told me about it, and I took it upon myself to go find it. Uh, I got in, got a drink. Uh, he was bartending. Uh, I had no idea who this guy was or that he had any kind of reputation or that in a small uh, demographic that he was really well thought of. And so I just, I'm just talking shit with this guy who's really cool. Uh, we started talking about New Orleans and we started making friends and I didn't know anything about the, the drinks that he was doing and he just kept handing me drinks. Try this. Try this. Yeah. And, he, and, and we had a ball. And nice. he invited me to one of his other bars, and we made friends. And as I began to realize who he was and, and uh, how good these bars were and, and how, that it was a completely different style of bartending in general and a different concept, uh, I, I asked him if I could work for him, and he immediately said no. He said, <laughs> I don't hire actors. Uh, and then we maintained our friendship, and then when he opened up... Uh, uh, he was with Catherine Weatherup, and they were opening up Weatherup. He, he just told me, said, you're going to be working for me at Weatherup. Nice. And then I said, okay. Yeah. So I that, believe that's where we met. Yes. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So was it, was it something that you had been kind of practicing, something you'd been reading up on? Like, how did you, did not, you just jump right not, into it? Not really. I mean, it's, it's, uh. When you start to understand the, the ratios and the trends uh, as far as what liquors go well together and, and uh, what makes for a palatable cocktail, um, it's something you can't you can be autodidactic about. You can't learn it yourself. Yeah. You can definitely read up, and it's, it's good to do so. Uh, but, it, but experience counts for a lot. Yeah. And, you know, I've always worked service industry uh, or, and or been in theater, mm-hmm. which means I've... I, you go out to drink a lot. That's that's one of the major <laughs> social things that you will do. That's kind of like where I was when I got into the service industry. I was like, "What? Do, what am I and like?" I was playing with my band, and I'm like, "What do I do now?" Well, I really know how to drink. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll be a bartender. Exactly. <laughs> I, I've, I've developed this skill set. <laughs> apparently, I'm really good at it. Yeah. Um, but I, like, but when you say like 
you know, learning the formulas and stuff like that. I mean, to us now, it's kind of like a no-brainer that, you know, oh, yeah, of course, like, you know, you're, you're two-half, three-quarter, right. two-half-half, half, or right. you know, whatever. You know, like these formulas, they were invented a long, long time ago. Right. But it had they had to be invented. It, it took some experimenting. It's like, oh wait a minute, I'm going to mix my sweet with sour. It, it just makes so much sense now. But sure, there was well, a lot of groundwork laid by the old greats. There's there's no doubt, and there was a lot of. Uh, I mean, it's just everybody's always been drinking, and it's trial and error uh, yeah. over hundreds of years of or thousands of however long we've been drinking of figuring out what actually tastes good. Yeah, I had, I had a really bad night one night when I walked into a, a bar in uh, Fort Greene, and I just. I wanted to place an order for a drink, but it had to fit my mood. And so I asked the bartender, I was like, give me a Michter's Rye on the Rocks with three dashes of Tabasco. Oh, wow. Sounds disgusting, but trial and error, it was actually (laughs) pretty good. I mean, the first sip, it was okay. Kind of weird. Put a lemon zest on that. Right. It was awesome. Fair enough. It's called the Jesus Nail. The Jesus. Oh wow! <laughs> there's a uh, there's an old blues song. Uh, I can't remember which one it is, but the guy's really upset because his his woman's left him and he's just feeling so low and everything's going wrong and, and he wants to drink like he feels and he goes to the bartender and he asks for a bad whiskey and a dirty glass. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So nice. I, I understand that sentiment. Sometimes yeah. you want to drink like you do feel. Yeah. You know. So okay, let's talk about the the neighborhood. I I just. It's an interesting neighborhood to me, uh, Prospect Heights. Sure. Um, you have Weather Up. You have your place, the Vanderbilt. Yes. Um, lots of other places popping up. I mean, there's other, you know, obviously you've got like Soda Bar. It's over there. Sure. Uh, one of my old bartenders just opened up a place called the Bearded Lady that's sure. a yeah. couple blocks I, away. I went over there um, a week or so ago. Yeah. Nice, nice looking place. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's great. Um, James is over there, and they've, uh, they've got a nice little bar in there. Yeah, James. Uh, totally. you got Jen Watson behind the bar there, and she's, oh, really? a, she's a doll. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then Franny's, Franny's uh, of course, is, is a good little place to eat, and and you've got Jorge behind the, behind the bar there. So there there are places I like to go. Yeah, I mean it's it's such a cool cool thing to see how it's just how it's developed. It's in the last just few years. I mean, it's, sure. it's really it's kind of become. Whereas before it was just like, oh, it's north of the park. Right. Let's let's live there so it will be close to the park. Now so, there's stuff. Soda was there, and then Barrett was there, and then uh, Weatherup was there. Yeah. Uh, and then these other places have just... It's coming quick. And the arena... Uh, yeah, well, the I arena. I spit when I say it. <laughs> but the arena coming in is is, uh, is definitely going to bring in some business. Yeah. Uh, how good it's going to be for the actual community, I don't know. I've got my yeah. doubts. So, but you've got Chuko, uh, which is... It's it's opening right there on Dean and, and Vanderbilt, and I want to think it's the guys from Morimoto oh, yeah. uh, that are opening that place up, and the guys from um, what's the Aussie bar, the Sunburnt Calf, the Sunburnt Cow, Sunburnt Cow, yeah, they're yeah. they're opening a place right there uh, between Bergen and St. Mark's, I guess. Wow, yeah. so there's just all kinds of stuff popping up, right? Yeah, absolutely, crazy. Um, run us through a typical day at the Vanderbilt for you. I mean, like, give us a little background on your place, and then tell me about like. The vibe of the place. Sure. Uh, the Vanderbilt uh, was opened up. And there's, it's a group of partners. Uh, the chef owner is Saul Bolton. He's had Saul over Saul, on, Smith on Smith Street. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's had a Michelin star for a number of years. Really small, cool little place. The food is outstanding. Uh, so he and Ben Dates, who owns Num Pong, it's a couple of sandwich shops. Uh, it's really outstanding Cambodian sandwich shops in the city. Um, and Joe Del Pret and some other guys, and they, they opened up the Vanderbilt. And the Vanderbilt's 
a larger place. It's uh, big. It's probably 130 seats when we got the outdoor it's crazy seating. Big. Yeah, um, I was shocked the first time I saw big it. Big 15 seat bar, um, and it's it's. I mean, some people have called it gastro pubby. Some people have called it new American cuisine. Uh, it's it's got a fair amount of small plates. It's also got some entree portions. They do all the charcuterie in house. Uh, some beef jerky. Oh yeah, uh, you know the the sausage the sausages they make are just outstanding. Yeah, it's really really good. The quality is really high, but the the atmosphere is very laid back. People right. come in in shorts and a t shirt. Nobody's going to blink. Nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. And and the bar we try to do the same thing. Um, I came from Weather Up. I came from you know being trained by Sasha. Uh, you take that knowledge and you make uh, you make good cocktails that are that are uh, accessible to people who wouldn't normally go to Death and Company, say. Yeah, sure. Um, and and we, I can make all kinds of fresh syrups. You know, you work at a restaurant. You know, the chefs can get you all kinds of neat stuff that you don't have access to at a, just a bar. Absolutely, and that's that's the beauty of working in a bar with that's a bar restaurant. You know? Sure, it's because it's nice to have a great chef that you can bounce ideas back and forth off. You know? Sure. Um, and and that you also have the access to all of this incredible uh, cookware, you yeah, know, and all this exactly. neat stuff from for for making syrups and making purees and, yeah. and stuff that that's harder to come by when you're just at a bar. Yeah, exactly. So wh- tell us a little bit about like, for instance, like you you have an amazing selection of beers. Yes. Last time I was there, I might have had one too many before I got on my bicycle. Fair <laughs> enough. But um, run us through uh, like the style of your cocktails. I mean, are they are they meant to pair with the food on the menu, or is it kind of like less? It's less of a pairing like and more and, and and you know when you sit down, you bang out a cocktail menu. Say you you first off, you determine how many drinks you're going to have. Are you going to have five? You're going to have seven? You're going to have twenty five? Mm-hmm. And once you do that, you break down. Uh, how do I please ninety nine percent of the population right. with just five drinks or six drinks or ten drinks but or keep whatever? It interesting, exactly. Right. And so, how do I? Like finding a way to be broadly palate pleasing and, and appealing, uh, but also being interesting enough for uh, a more and more educated public that knows what good cocktails are is the challenge. Yeah. Um, the beers are the same way. We've got so many great breweries close by uh, in the Northeast that I, I chose to go uh, with my eight draft lines to go just in the Northeast. So the furthest away we go is Dogfish Head because I love Dogfish Head. Yeah. Uh, they're but, great, very experimental, you know. Sure, awesome. they do great beers, and 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 so um, that way I can I it, you can focus, and yeah. I can get to know I get to know the guys at the brewery, and sometimes uh, we get neat exclusive brew that uh, that very few people have access to. Yeah, when uh, when Kelso uh, took their recessionator uh, and they took their Imperial IPA and they 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 put it in a bourbon barrel from Heaven Hill. Okay, nice. there was only one barrel of that. That's that's uh, two kegs or six sixtles. Yeah, and we got one of them. And it's just it's the exclusivity. It, it's kind of neat. Yeah, you get a neat brew that only so many people have had. The the brewers probably drank half of it themselves. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, can you blame them? <laughs> no, not at all. They're great dudes. Um, and so that's a lot of fun. And then and then with bottle the bottle list, you can get more and more obscure because you don't have to keep a big inventory. Uh, you can. Uh, you can you can really please the beer nerds who will come in because you don't have to keep kegs and kegs of it downstairs. It's I like that you just said beer nerds because I went to a uh, like a microbrew like a like pretty much a local microbrew uh, kind of like session sure 
at, at one of the local places in, in uh, Carroll, well, I guess Borham Hill. And uh, it's so funny when you see, you know, people think of us as like, you know, cocktail nerds, like nerdy bartenders. Sure. And, you know, there's also like this image of like, like snobbiness, you know, that we, we don't like, you know. Sure, the pretense. The pretense, oh. yeah. It's And it, it can really ruin it, you know, a vibe of a place. But um, I went to this beer tasting and the only difference, I mean, like they were just as nerdy. Right. Doing all this experimental stuff, you know. Sure. Having a great time. Right. Just like we, we all do together, all of us bartenders. Uh, but the only difference that I could, you know, besides it being beer or spirits focused. Right. Was it... Like we're we're always wearing like vests and ties, right? And they were all wearing like their work shirts from the breweries. And I was like, "Damn it! I really wish I could wear a work shirt." To wear. Wouldn't that be a lot more comfortable? <laughs> yeah, it's like I, a good worn-in dicky shirt with yeah. your name on a patch. Yeah, totally, man. That's yeah. it's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, well, that's going to be the bar we open together. <laughs> Fair enough. Done. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and uh, when we get back, I want to I want to talk about the barman's fund because I think it's a really great idea, and it's. Uh, Doing a lot of good for a lot of people. We'll be right back with Brian Floyd. Well, good things have come to you. I wish I had your happiness. You had to do, I can 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 do. They tell me you're running free, your days are never blue. Well, I wish I had your good luck charm. And you had to do, I can 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 do. In your big Cadillac, you got girls in the front, and got girls in the back, yeah, and way in the back, you got money in the sack, both hands on the wheel and your shoulders right back. I hear tell you're doing well, good things have come to you. I wish I had your happiness. You had to do, I could 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 do. And we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have Brian Floyd from the Vanderbilt and the Barman's Fund. Now, about, I guess it's been, what, four months or so? Since April. We started in April. Okay. So, um, you started the Barman's Fund. Yes. um, Which is a charity organization to benefit different different people in need. Yeah, local charities. Um, It started... Uh, specifically as a response to the Japanese tsunami. Mm-hmm. Wanted to send some money. Uh, and since then, uh, it's really grown. Uh, and we needed to, to put some focus on it, and we decided that focus would be local. So uh, cool. the rest, everything we've done since then has been lo- local charities. Cool. And how did, how did this all, like, I mean, you were telling me earlier that it was uh, about your dad. Yes. You know. Well, let's first off, let's explain what it is. Uh, the Barman's Fund... Uh, is a loose association of uh, our, our slogan on our Facebook page is a loose association of dipshit do-gooders. Uh, it's a <laughs> bunch of bartenders who agree to give up. Uh, Put that in the notes, Jack. <laughs> one one shift uh, a month, and so you take one shift a month at your bar, which you're going to do. Yep. Which Next I, Thursday, which I love. 
Um, I take a shift. Mine's this Friday. And I say, you know what? Every dollar in tips I make tonight, I will give to charity. I will give to local charities. Uh, and I tell all my friends. And I put it out on Facebook. And I spread the word around. You know, you guys are going out on Friday night anyway. If you come to my bar, everything you tip will go to charity. Yeah. And then I, I usually get product sponsors. Uh, the boys down at Six Point Brewery are going uh, to donate some beer. Cool. I'm going to pour off some really awesome six-point beer for free. Nice. Um, people will come in, it, and it, it makes it a very lively kind of party atmosphere in a way that the, the bar, uh, it's always a fun place, but on, on, on the barman's fun night, it's really crazy. It's really fun. Nice. And you get 11 bartenders doing that, and uh, you, know, you raise extra money on your charity nights because people really turn out. Yeah. And, and you pull all that money, and, and it goes out in the community that month. You know, we've, we've supported the, uh, the Park Soap Women's Shelter, uh, the Greenpoint Soup Kitchen, the Chips Maternity Shelter. Um, and it's, it's great. It's not a 501c3. No one's cutting us checks. Right. It's just a bunch of individuals who donate a day's pay. Right. So you get all these bartenders together. Right. And I, I like the – it's really great to have, like, this uh, – these – Sponsors, like oh. I, I think it's it's really cool for like everyone. I mean, like that that way, like not only the bartenders are getting involved, but then you have like Six Point. You've got different like liquor sponsors coming in and like donating. So sure, it's it's not just the bartender. It's like no. everybody. Brooklyn Brewery uh, yeah. gave us a keg of Pilsner. Uh, Tito's uh, I gave, love Tito. gave gave us some it's my vodka. boy. Oh, absolutely. Tito's a great guy. Matthew Papura um, mm-hmm. came out that night, and we had a ball. We have, and then people come out, and it's you could definitely get a little press out of it because you're giving away some product. Mm-hmm. People love open bars and time out, and everybody else loves writing about an open bar. Right, uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and you can definitely you bring in more tips than you normally would, and then those tips go right back out as a donation. Absolutely, uh, every last dollar you don't keep. I mean, you got to tip out your bar back, but you don't keep yeah three hundred because you made extra tonight. You it all goes right, and we try to give. Uh, what we've been doing is contacting uh, charitable groups. It's got to be people charities, and it can't be anything political. Right. Uh, and saying, hey, do you have tangible needs? Have you got anything you really need that you don't have budget for? And they... Uh, they always have something. There's usually, something. there's usually something. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody's really well-funded, and good for them. Uh, but there's a lot of people who aren't. And sometimes you'd be really surprised what it is. Yeah. Um, in July, we contacted um, Samaritan Village. It's up in Queens, and they have a program that's just for veterans. They do a lot of rehabilitation programs, mm-hmm. different kinds. But they do a lot of PTSD rehab. Uh, they also have a, a, a women's-only veterans program. We contacted them, and is there anything you need? And they hit us back with, uh, we'd love to stock our rec room. And the downtime between treatment sessions, uh, our vets don't have much to do. Yeah, and they gave us a, a specific list of about a thousand dollars worth of stuff of, of DVDs, and a lot of it was uh, like humor and treatment, and a lot of it was specifically towards what they were doing, and some of it wasn't DVDs and books and literature, and they wanted a Wii. Oh and, yeah, and, and we dropped the, the gaming a thousand eleven hundred, yeah, eleven hundred dollars, and uh, and sent it to them, and and awesome. uh, yeah, like how simple is that? But it's it's just quality of life stuff. Well, it it sounds really simple, but. There aren't a lot of people out there like you to make this happen. I think most people people want way, to do the it. way people were responding. People really would if they if it was in front of them and they knew how. I yeah. think most people are, are have a basically generous soul. Yeah. I do. Um, 
Uh, and it's just, it's not that easy. I do a lot of research trying to figure out where this money goes. Uh, do, we, we all do. We, we look around, and, and it, it's hard to find really tangible needs. Mm-hmm. I got a, uh, this, this lovely girl wrote about us in, in the Brooklyn paper. And uh, her name is Kate. And she, she, I'd only talked to her as an interview, but she sent me an email. I woke up one morning, and I've been out with Johnny. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's at the Vanderbilt and at WeatherUp, and he's in the Barman's Fund. We'd been out late the night before, and I woke up to an email from Kate, and she'd found a, this donation request on Craigslist. And all it said was uh, maternity shelter uh, needs diapers and wipes. And I called, her, I called the number to make sure she's legitimate and it's an actual place. Looked it up online, it is. And they, they sheltered uh, basically teen expectant mothers or teen mothers with newborns. Mm-hmm. That are and it's a transitional shelter. These girls need a place to be, and they needed diapers. It's the most basic thing in the world. It's not a luxury. Yeah. What are you going to do if you don't have that? So we went to Target. Me and Johnny hung over as hell, <laughs> and and bought six hundred dollars worth of diapers. Wow. And uh, and took it to them. And that's it's that kind of thing, like that that and that was that was over on uh, Sackett and Fourth. That's right in our neighborhood. Oh yeah, yeah. And that that's something that you don't know that. If people knew that that need was there, if I walked around, if, if I was at my bar and said, hey, man, will you give me $20 so I can buy these, these women diapers for their babies? Everybody would do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it's just, you know, if I said, hey, we want to buy an AC unit for this first grade class in Harlem. Will you give me 20 bucks? Everybody would do that. Absolutely. It's just you got you to gotta find the need and make it clear to people. This is, these are local folks who need these things. Yeah. And people really do respond to that. And that's why we try to make our donations as tangible as possible. We don't give money to foundations. Yeah, we, we try to do very specific things. The best thing that I think that we've done, uh, we contacted the Brooklyn Free Clinic. And it's the only free clinic in Brooklyn that I'm aware of. Uh, it's there only open one day a week. Um, it's mostly staffed by med students. They have volunteer doctors. Everybody is seen by a doctor, but everything else is, is med students. And uh, they said, we'd love to start an antibiotics program. We don't have the budget for it. Um, they said they see the same people over and over again with the same infections because people with little money do not fill their prescriptions. Yeah, you got to eat. Yeah. And it's the simplest thing in the world. You, but they said the frustrating thing is you write a prescription for somebody, you hand it to them, and you know they're not going to fill it. Yeah. And this is something you need. You need it so you can go back to work and, yeah. and make money for your family. And so we talked to them, and they did some research. This is how many uh, antibiotics we've prescribed in the past two years. This is what we pres- project to prescribe. And we gave them a budget for two years' worth of free antibiotics. And that was, le- that was maybe – that wasn't even fully what we brought in in one month. Wow. And how easy is that? And, and that's the kind of thing that people do respond to. Like, yeah. This is the kind of thing that we're doing. Now, poor people can have free antibiotics. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing. Like, I just sitting here talking to you, it's, like, it's giving me goosebumps, man. It's, it's the kind of thing that... <laughs> it's the kind of thing that most people don't think about when they think about bartenders, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> they think of us as, as like a bunch of uh, drunk, yeah. like, shady dudes. Shady dudes. Yeah, but true. like what you're saying is such amazing. Uh, this is like the most amazing thing that I've seen in a while. Um, and you've been getting like uh, some really good press. It was just in the Wall Street Journal. It was in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago. And we had a really nice 
really nice write-up in, in, in the Village Voice. Uh, I've been grateful for all of it. Um, you know, yeah. the more people hear about it, the more people come out to our nights. Because we've got people in uh, down in Brooklyn, we've got people in Manhattan, mm-hmm. so we've got people in, in. You know, if if you're in the if you're anywhere and close, there's going to be a bar close to you that you can swing by. Yeah, and that's that's how easy it is. Because you know, if you're if you're the kind of person who goes out and has a couple of drinks anyway, if you do it on this night at this bar, then you're doing good. Yeah. Now, do you, okay. So the website's almost finished. Oh, yes, right. um, thebarmansfund.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Facebook page is, is much more active. People love to respond right. to it. Uh, even the people that we've donated respond to it. We can put up pictures more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just facebook.com slash the barman's fund. Cool. Yeah. And uh, are, do you have any plans for expanding outside of the city? You know, like... I'm just... I'm, a, I'm, I'm blown away by how, how quickly it's grown and how much money uh, we've been able to donate. Um, I don't. I don't have any plans to grow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if all it does is what it did this month, forever or even for any length of time, I'll be so happy. Yeah, it's enough. Like it's it's a chunk of money that we can give to people who need it in the in the community. Um, you know that I don't have any need to grow it big. I don't need it to be a five hundred one c three. I don't want to draw a salary off right. of it. Uh, I want it to be just what it is. It's a community group. And if it inspires other people to start their own whatevers they want to start, or then that's great. I think I think a, a big chunk of it is is uh, and as we we try to do on the Facebook page and on the on the website is this is who this is this organization the Chips Maternity Shelter, mm-hmm. the Greenpoint Soup Kitchen. This is what we did. Uh, this is what you can do. Yeah, you you know and we have a link for the Greenpoint Soup Kitchen. They give away boxes of groceries to anybody who needs them every Thursday. Yeah. They do they do a hot meal Wednesday night, and they and they give away boxes of groceries to the community up in Greenpoint. Yeah, that's great. They do great work. It's yeah. gritty work. It's down with the the people who need the help the most, and that's what I love about them. And you can go up there and help them pack boxes. You can go up there and help them serve dinner. You can go up there and help them wash dishes. They'd be glad to have you. Yeah. And most people, there's a lot of people out there who would be, who wouldn't mind doing that at all. They just got to know that it's it's, it's needed. Yeah. yeah. Oh man! So we've got thebarmansfund.org. Yes. Facebook slash thebarmansfund. Yes. And you'll be able to check out pretty soon all the bartenders that are uh, participating. And sure. Where they're bartending. The listings of uh, uh, everybody we've given to. Um, all of that. All for 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 most of the updates. Uh, the Facebook page, if you like it. <laughs> uh, then you'll get all of the updates, and we'll we'll post uh, regular reminders of when Damon is doing his mm-hmm. uh, inaug- inaugural barman's fun shift at Prime Meats. That'll be next Thursday, and uh, and you're doing yours tomorrow night, uh, Friday night, Friday night, Friday night. Me and Johnny will do ours together behind the bar. Cool, uh, and that's when we'll have the the excellent six point beer as well. Excellent. Um, it's good. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it's a it's a really satisfying thing to do, and people have a lot of fun supporting it. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 just win win all the way around. So everyone can check in. They can see from now on. Yes. They can see where where it's going down. See the bars and the bartenders on, S- online. See where the money's Go going. See where it's going. Go support the bartenders. Go support the barman's fund. Go support the world. Yeah. It's been really good having you on the show today, Floyd. Yeah, man. I'm 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 so pleased to be here. I've never been to Roberta's. This place is amazing. Well, let's go eat some pizza. Oh man. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see you next week on the Speakeasy, where my guests will be Jill and Del DeGroff. Uh, 
thanks to our producer Jack Inslee and thanks again Floyd cheers thanks man look at that look in his eye man I wouldn't lie it gets higher than a kite now when you see him stumbling up and down the street you know that cat been drinking this is a message from Fork and Anchor Aaron Fitzpatrick, the host of our wine program, Unfiltered, is looking for help on Kickstarter to open Fork and Anchor, a general store inspired by two food-loving ladies with an equal affection for urban life, the sea, and the agricultural paradise of Long Island's North Fork. The store is situated in a growing community of farmers and winemakers and will become a meeting place offering prepared foods, a variety of sun-dries, and a selection of homespun products, many of which will have their origins in New York State. Your backing will help them fulfill their dream of fostering relationships with the community and making the local food system accessible on a broader scale. Search kickstarter.com for Fork and Anchor and donate today. The following is a message from NOFA NY. Do you dig local food? Love organic farmers? Do you crave to be part of a growing movement of consumers concerned with the state of our nation's food system? Then sign up today to take the NOFA and Wise Locavore Challenge this September. Join 5,000 other New York locavores that are hungry, active, and ready to change our food system. Learn more at www.nylocavorechallenge.com. Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. Because on a dairy farm, there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to call the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October.